that then can start creating and fueling, as you say, the imposter syndrome, because they're thinking, I'll never be as good as this other person. But in actual fact, they shouldn't be aspiring to be as good as anybody else, other than being better than who they were themselves yesterday. Hey, Weekenders, welcome back to the Art of Photography podcast, where we share photographers' journey and how photography have given hope, purpose, and happiness. And today we have Darren, all the way from Ireland. How are you, Darren? It's Irish for, how are you? And you're very welcome from Ireland. <laughs> Fantastic, yeah. Um, man, I always love the Irish accent. I, I, I wish I have the Irish accent, to be honest. Um, but welcome, welcome. And how are you doing? I'm very good. Thanks. Yeah, very good, Stanley. Yeah, good to finally, you know, see your face. I know we've been chatting, you know, as we've kind of reminisced go for over a year i suppose good now to come on to your podcast and have a chat about subject i'm passionate about it's a subject i think that is very rewarding very frustrating very entertaining it can be all different seasons in just one day so i love the outdoors and i love photography so yeah you'll be hard pressed to stop me talking let's put it that way <laughs> that is fantastic that's why we have you here and i know it's uh it's five o'clock here in, in five o'clock in the morning here in bali and uh it's 11 PM, so it was hard to find time, but uh, mm -hmm, I'm glad mm -hmm. we found a time that could make you work. But um, before we get started, can you give uh, the listeners a quick introduction of who you are? Um, you know, whether you do photography for full time or as a as a just as a hobby, and just a little bit about yourself and who you are in this world. Sure. Yeah, Darren is my name. I'm from Ireland. I'm a I suppose a, a semi-pro, semi-amateur, semi-passionate photographer. It's something that I use on a day-to-day -day basis to kind of keep me sane in a world that's going a million miles an hour. Photography for me is something that I use as a tool to be able to help me to be able to kind of keep a balance, you know. Um, most people can have sports or different types of hobbies. For me, outdoor photography is both because I'm out, I'm walking, I'm hiking. I'm out for long extended periods of time in the fresh air. And, you know, the bonus of all that is I have my camera with me so I can take a photograph. Um, and it's something I think that a lot of people get into, but it's not really something very good at very fast either. It's a long journey. And I'm enjoying, enjoying every part of that uh, journey as I've gone through it all years and I keep evolving. And every time you go with the camera, it's a school day. Everything you do with the camera, keep practicing and you'll always get better and you'll learn from your mistakes and it's okay to make mistakes. And that's where photography for me is such a fascinating subject. I mean, as I say, I'm a mature hobbyist, but it's all consuming. You know, I not only take photographs, I've got my YouTube channel. I've got a podcast myself, which is called the Irish Photography Podcast. I have a number of Facebook groups that I've created over the years to help people in their journey and to really get more involved in the whole aspect of how beneficial photography can be. So yeah, that's a quick intro, I suppose, really. I know we'll probably expand on a few of those as the conversation will go, but it is definitely a great topic and a great subject and a great thing to be able to have a great skill set to be able to have in your bag. Yeah, wow, that's crazy. Like uh, you do all that while, you know, doing uh, a full-time job or running a business, mm -hmm. as you say that. And um, so what is it that get you started into photography what was that first thing that make you you know what this is awesome and i really just want to do more of it it's an interesting question for me it's something that started at a very very young age um my brother was always into photography and i shared a room with him and he was back in the film days and he would turn the room into a dark room so we had the doors closed windows blacked out the red light would go on you know that you were if you were in the room you couldn't leave and if you were outside the room you couldn't come in i kind of grew up with it all the time 
he was very smart in what he did is that when he was developing his film solutions, he didn't spend any of the solutions on his side of the room. He spilled all the solutions on my side of the room. So all of my sheets and everything else were and everything from all the solutions from developing film. And I would have always had a camera of some sorts. Um, I remember when, uh, probably in my teenage years, I kind of got my first digital camera. It was a one megapixel camera. And I was, wow, look at this thing, you know? And I'd take my images and yeah, they were okay. People always said to me, oh, I deny for photography, but I never really thought about it. I'd just take some photographs of inanimate objects. But the catalyst for me was probably in around 2013, because in 2008, I got my first DSLR and it was a Canon 1000D and I got my first couple of shots and I'm thinking, oh yeah, okay, this could be interesting. You know, and you kind of get a small bit of bravado thinking that you're good. You can get a couple of shots. And this is before I ever shared anything on social media or anything like that. It's just me taking images. And in 2013, when I got married, actually, I went on my honeymoon I went to Borneo on my honeymoon and I brought my camera and I was thinking, okay, I'm going to get some epic shots here. You know, we went to Borneo. I wanted to get some photographs of the orangutans and everything else, all the wildlife. And I quickly learned that I hadn't got a clue because I was on a boat. Um, it was a very interesting story. Actually, we were on a river cruise. We got up one morning and the, uh, the, the guide said to us, we're in luck guys. You know, there's a few pygmy elephants along the bank. And I was thinking, what pygmy elephants? I didn't know anything about pygmy elephants. I Indian elephants, Africa knew about pygmy elephants so of course i was really excited to go see these and of course i had my camera but when i started taking photographs i quickly became very frustrated because i'm looking at the back of the camera and i couldn't expose them right every single image was blurred and i didn't know what i was doing wrong and i kind of said okay should i go into auto here and try and get these photos at least i had something but i didn't want to do that i wanted to you know proceed on and try to take the photographs i now know because I said after 2013, all right, I better learn how to do this right. I better learn what went wrong so that if I ever was in a situation again, I could take those images. And it transpires that the lens that I was using didn't have image stabilization. That was the first thing. Second thing is I was on a boat, so the boat was moving. I was shooting into a bank which was covered by trees, so it was in shadow. And my exposure time then would have had to have been too long. And I didn't really understand that. So um, in 2013, I said, okay, I'm going to learn how to do this. And it kind of started my journey which is now just nine years ago at this stage, but I kind of went gung-ho into photography at that point. And it's been something that has consumed me. Like I said, it's been something that has been really rewarding. I've met a lot of people through photography. I've met a lot of close friends through photography. Um, and it's something I think that I, I really wanted to understand what went wrong, but also how could I get better? So that was the catalyst really, you know? So it's been there since a young age, but 2013 was that little bit of a button that after I got back from Borneo, I was like, damn it, all the images that I thought I had, I think I got two images that weren't blurred, but at least I have some blurry images of pygmy elephants anyway. <laughs> that is hilarious. And uh, it's, it's funny because um, I started photography because of a trip as well. So I could definitely mm. relate to that. And um, yeah, that's, that's just so funny how, um, and I, I've, I've got another experience where um, I mean, this is, this was back, you know, when I was already started photography, I know what I'm doing, but I made a mistake and it took like all of my shot or that I wanted was blurry. <laughs> so it was a good <laughs> shot, but it was blurry, unfortunately. So I know exactly what you mean. So mm. was there a particular reason that make you want to buy DSLR or, you know, you just thought, you know what, um, you know, because what you see from your brother and stuff, and you know, you you think to yourself, um, I think I'll give this a go. But what was that reason that make you buy DSLR to begin with? 
I think it was because I would have had point and shoots before then. And I wanted to have a lot more control. And I knew that I had to have more control in the different lights and different circumstances and such like that. And um, there was a deal. And I said, okay, I have to go. I've got to get the deal. You know, what? that's reason 32 for gas, which is gear acquisition syndrome. It's a deal that you can't pass up. Um, but I had to take that. I said, okay, you know what? And you know, it's interesting. People ask me, why do I shoot Canon? I still shoot Canon, you know, and a lot of people, they start off on one type of camera and they stick with that camera unless they move to Sony. Most people would have moved away from Canon and Sony, or sorry, Canon and Nikon over to Sony, unless you started in Pentax and then you had no choice because you can't really get you know, Pentax gear now. Um, I started on, on, on Canon and I stuck Canon. I had my 1000D and then I quickly kind of said, okay, I want to get something better from this. So I moved to Canon 70 because I had the lenses already. I said, okay, I can interchange my lenses. I don't have to change everything else. Um, my 70D was a very interesting camera until it decided that it would go for a swim in the sea. Um, and obviously it didn't work out very well for it. So um, I took the plunge at that point and said, okay, it's time for me to move away from crop sensor. And I wanted to go to full frame. So I bought a 60 and I still have my 60 and it's, it's a phenomenally good camera. It's been my trusty workhorse for a number of years, but around Two years ago, I then took the jump away from DSLR into mirrorless. And of course, because I had invested in a number of different lenses then over the years, I said, okay, I can keep all those lenses, but now I'm going to mirrorless. Oh, hang on, there's an adapter. So I can get an EF to an RF adapter. So now I went and I got the EOS R. And the EOS R has been a phenomenal camera. Uh, I don't think I'd ever move away from Canon. Um, now, I've had some very lucky opportunities here to work with Canon in Ireland. So I've managed to have the uh, EOS R6, the EOS R5, and I'm soon to be getting the EOS R3 as well to give it a go. But they're really just to get my hands on and get my feel and my thoughts for them. But a DSLR is a phenomenal camera to have because it gives you more control. And with the interchangeable lenses, you've got even more control, you know. So you go to point and shoot forget about it. You know, I mean, you, you, okay, it's fine. You might take a shot, but you want to get a proper shot. You have to be able to close the shot. You have to be able to expose that and play around with the light as well for what you want, rather than letting the camera what it thinks it wants. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm a Canon shooter as well. And I love my Canon. Um, you know, I have a 5D Mark IV and it dropped down through like three meters cliff down like 30 meters off a mountain and it still worked. Like I didn't do anything. Literally it, the lens kind of unclip and I have an error and unclipped it, clip it back on and it was working again. So yeah, <laughs> it's one hell of a camera. Um, yeah. What's, um, so I mean, like, you know, I love hearing your story about, you know, how you get into photography. Um, you know, some of the biggest failures that you've gone through, especially during your um, honeymoon, which mm -hmm. would have been a really nice memory to, to have. Um, what would you say to, uh, what would you say are some of the most important things to, learn if uh, people wanted to get into photography? I suppose the biggest one from that is the, the, the main fundamental. Understand the exposure triangle and understand the interdependencies of each of those. And once you understand that, then you can play around with your settings and you actually can control the situation that you're in. I think I'd also give a bit of advice on that would be don't get too hung up on gear. You know, you don't need to have the best camera to get the best shots. I mean, you know, don't be too fixated trying to also emulate somebody else. You know, take an image that you want to take. If it's bad, okay, it's bad, but you took it. And it's always a thing to have a bad image that you can look six months down the line, a year down the line, two years down the line. Say, My God, look how good I've gotten or look how bad I've gotten or whatever it might be. But take the images, make mistakes. You know, there's no such thing as first time. That's the beauty of the digital world. 
I mean, you get the immediate gratification by looking in the back of the camera if it's right or wrong. Whereas when I started out in the film days, I thought, okay, I got a great shot only to send it off to the developers, wait whatever length of time it took to get it back, cost, and then open up the package and see that there's 10 of those images that are pure white. So yeah, I mean, don't be afraid to make mistakes, but more importantly, I think don't get too hung up on gear. You know, even, even now, Stanley, you know, you look at what everybody has in their pocket, a phone. Now, okay, it's not them controlling the image, but even with the newer phones, you can, you can get into all the settings and you can do all that yourself. But you've got a great camera in your pocket at all times. There's no reason why you shouldn't be able to pop that out and take a record shot or whatever it might be. But you don't need to spend thousands of euros, dollars, whatever it might be, the currency that you're spending to be able to get a great shot. I mean, you, you, look, you look at some of the greats, even look at Ansel Adams. Like the technology that you have in your pocket right now is a hundred times better than what he ever had. And he had to lug it around with him. He didn't have technology, you know, so he had a wooden frame camera that he set up and bang, he got an image. So yeah, it's not all about gear. Fantastic um, advice there. And, and um, I love, um, I love that you mentioned that, you know, um, that even the, the camera that you have in your pocket are often good enough. It, it kind of depends on what, you know, the purpose that you want it for. Right. I know that, you know, I, I love like the Canon M50, you know, when mm -hmm. people ask me what camera they should buy and then they, they don't um, have a camera and it's going to be their first camera. It's like, man, get the M50, the Mach 1, because they are so cheap because nowadays the Mach 2, right? And yes. they're a fantastic camera. Um, I, I, I thought a few students, you know, to, to use that to take photo of the Milky Way and just with a tripod and a tracker and it come out pretty good. So mm -hmm. I'm glad that you mentioned that because I know that a lot of people get, who get started with photography um, kind of, you know, it, 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 it stopped them to get started because of that mindset that you mm -hmm. need this expensive camera. So that is a really good advice. <laughs> so just from what you say there with your 7D, what happened there that it went for a swim? Well, yeah, I mean, it, it was my own stupidity, but you know, it's generally the case. I, I'm, I'm an outdoor photographer, right? So I'm outdoors all the time. And my biggest passion is seascape photography. And I was at a location early in the morning with two friends of mine. And I, of course, I wanted to get down low. I wanted to get a nice perspective. You know, I was doing a nice long exposure shot. There was a lighthouse in the distance. The sun was rising. And the other two guys kept calling me. And I was thinking, okay, look, leave me alone for a second. I'm just getting my camera set up. Leave me alone for a second. They kept calling me. So I was thinking, okay, maybe something is wrong. So I was crouched down, low down, camera tripod wasn't even extended. It was that low into the water and stood up. And as I stood up, I tipped the front of my camera and it went from here straight into the water. So it didn't even have a big, it just, just toppled over, but toppled over lens first into the sea. And I had some filters that were on the front of it. They took a crack off a rock. Um, I immediately took the camera straight out, you know, took off the lens, took out the battery, took out the SD card, but it was, it was goose. Salt water whatsoever would get into the camera. It's gone. Um, so yeah, it was uh, it was a few expletives, let's just say, that were uh, given out that morning when I finally said to the guys, "What do you want?" And they went, "Oh, we were just wondering where you were. We thought you disappeared. You knew exactly where I was." <laughs> you know. So um, yeah, I uh, that was and by, by the way, that was at the start of a two day photography trip as well. Um, so I was cameraless uh, at the start of a two day photography trip. So what I actually did was there was a deal, um, and I said, "Okay, look, you know, I rang a local camera store." I told them my predicament. And in fairness, they said, look, we have this camera here. It's on offer, but you'll also get cash back in relation to it. So I said, all right. So I was lucky. I was fortunate in a position that I could 
change the camera on the fly. But so I started the morning with a 70D and I finished today with a 60. Um, and yeah, it was it was a game changer, to be honest with you, kind of moving away from crop to full frame because I was able to capture a lot better detail, a lot more within the scene as well. Um, so yeah, that was the unfortunate incident of the the death of my Canon 70D, which was a great camera. Um, but yeah, I've, I'm glad I, I did make the change full frame because if that didn't happen probably would have skipped in it still had the 70d and then never had the opportunity because when i look back even the images that i like we said a moment ago you look back six months two years whatever it might be when i look back at the the, the, the integrity of the images and the quality and the pixels and the pixelization that i saw now on the 70d versus what i got in full frame it was night and day so it kind of elevated my photography fault from my own stupidity let's just say so i kind of i gave out to my two friends but i should thank them really in the end of the day because they're the ones that you know killed my 70d and made me make that jump to full frame ah that's uh that's a very unfortunate thing that happened but um i guess you know when you think about it it's uh it's a good leap of faith right <laughs> because yeah. uh yeah. it really pushed you to get into a 6d from there and you absolutely love it so uh, yeah i yeah. guess it's destiny <laughs> Well, yeah, in, in, in a way, Stanley, it is destiny, you know, um, and I do think as well, like, you know, when I was shooting in my 70D, I kind of was a small bit in a comfort zone because I knew it inside out. Now, the Canon ecosystem is great. You know, I can pick up any Canon camera and I can use that. So that was another thing that I really enjoyed about sticking with Canon, because if I get any camera from Canon tomorrow, I know that I can pick it up and I can use it almost instantaneously. So that was the ecosystem that's been created. I like the menu system. I like the cameras. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. And I, I suppose the other side of it then is that that now then gave me the impetus to start changing lenses. So I had to then go invest in my glass, you know. So, um, you know, I, I did the, the camera body only. I didn't need to buy any kit lenses or anything like that. Even though the 60 at the time came with a 24 to 105 F4L lens, I already had one. So I didn't need that, you know. So it helped me too because I was able to save money just by buying body only. So, yeah. That's fantastic. Faith. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, one of the biggest thing that um, I came across, um, especially for people in photography is this notion of um, imposter syndrome, right? Uh, where mm -hmm. um, people are, especially with this day and age of social media, we come across this all the time. And um, it's, it's often lead into unreal expectation where, you know, people looking at um, other photographers that have a larger following and thought that you know that can happen overnight and they have that in their head that it's oh yeah if i just jump in there you know put put a, a few good works you know i will have um, thousands and thousands of um, followers or whatnot and when that, that's not the case often it's it's more about the followers than about the photography itself um <clears throat> Have you ever come across a time where that was a problem when you come across um, that sort of uh, challenge or feeling in, in your photography journey? And um, if, if so, how did you overcome it? I can't say that I personally had that challenge, but I know a number of people that have had that challenge. And I think the reason why I haven't is because I got into photography well before there was social media. I didn't see social media as a catalog, photography as a catalyst for social media. It was the other way around. Um, a guest that I had in my own podcast a number of years back said a very, very important, and it still sticks to this day, and I've mentioned it a number of times on my own podcast, and I'll mention it on yours as well. Um, it was Michael O'Sullivan is the guy. He's a very talented photographer from Ireland, and he said a statement, which was, don't shoot for the gallery. And it's really important. Shoot for your 
You know, don't shoot for Instagram. Don't shoot for social. Don't shoot for the love or the likes or whatever it might be that you think you're going to get in the image because you're only going to be destined for disappointment. If you're happy with the image, that's all that matters. And if five people like it or 10 people like it or 20, so be it. But if you're happy with the image that you've taken, then the reason for taking that image, I think, is the most important part. Now, that being said, Social media is a phenomenal tool. You know, I think it's really, really powerful. I mean, a, a mutual friend of ours, Bernard Garrity, you know, he had said, why do people give out about Instagram and, so, and Facebook? It's free and it is free. And it's a great way. It's a great way to be able to build an audience and stuff like that. But it can be quite toxic because people shoot for these likes and they might see an image and go, oh, that's a good image. Look at that. He's after getting 500 likes or a thousand likes or whatever it might be. And they'll go off and they'll try and replicate that exact image. So they're not using their own left side of the brain they're using you know, the, the copy side of the brain and then when they take that image they're frustrated because they can't get the image to look like the image that they saw that this person posted but this person that posted it maybe they didn't just take that image maybe they created that image maybe they're very good at post-processing maybe they've got more creative brain to be able to see something within a scene and transfer that into something on the screen that people can like and such like that so that then can start creating and fueling, as you say, the imposter syndrome, because they're thinking, I'll never be as good as this other person. But in actual fact, they shouldn't be aspiring to be as good as anybody else, other than being better than who they were themselves yesterday. And if people can try and get that into their own mindset, that this is not an overnight success thing. Photography is not an overnight success phenomenal. You put in the hard work. It's, it, you know, it, it's, it's like people looking at athletes and they see somebody who is a runner or a football player or whatever it may be they've been doing that for a long time they've made a lot of mistakes they were absolutely diabolical at one point but they got better and they got better and they got better no their motivation might have been different they wanted to probably beat the person that they were training with or somebody that they knew to be better than them to get first place whatever it might be you can look at social media in that way and say okay i want to be first at it but it ain't going to happen overnight and if you think that it's going to happen overnight then you're putting yourself in a very bad position, I think, from a psychological point of view, because you're now chasing something which in reality will never be attainable. Because by the time you might get to that level, that person that you were chasing may already have been gone off social media and realized that it was, was a waste of their time or have actually accelerated on even further and gotten better at taking photos and created something unique themselves. So replication, I think, is probably good kind of to get a bit better, people should find their own mark. They should find their own style, find their own bias for their own type of image. And it's not only, by the way, in just taking the image, the processing of the image as well, very, very, very important. And everybody has their own unique way of processing an image. And I, I digress for a very quick moment, right? Because um, around about six months ago, maybe eight months ago, actually, uh, I was editing an image. And like I say, I'm a seascape photographer and I was editing my image and I thought came across my mind. And I said, hang on, I'm got my own style of editing all of my images. I edit all of my own images. I don't have an editor that edits my image, right? So like most people, you edit your own image. But it got me thinking and it said, I wonder how somebody else that didn't take this image would actually edit the image. So I reached out to some other photographers that were on, on YouTube and such like that. Um, and I asked them to edit my image. And I got five people that came back to me and I had five completely different edits of the same raw file. And like Nick Page was one of the people that edited my image and he's got a very, very moody style from his editing. And you could see that come true in how he would have edited the image. Mark Denny, another uh, landscape photographer, he edited the image and I could see his style coming true in the image. So you have to create and develop your own style and be true to yourself. 
don't think that you have to copy somebody else just to be able to get on that platform and get those likes because that's chasing something which is an endorphin release. And if you don't get those endorphin releases, then you're going to end up participating. And I think that's where the part is, you know, be yourself, do, do, do what you want to do for what you and use social media, fine, as an avenue to be able to share that, but don't get hooked or don't get hung up on, you know, enough likes because that's ultimately going to lead to disappointment and sadness. That answer your question. Yeah, that's really good. Um, you know, I'm glad that you share that. Um, I think, you know, a lot of people kind of um, look into social media as a success metrics, right? Um, well, as in, I, I believe like, I don't know, for, for you and I, you know, we got into photography, you know, not because of social media. So the success metric should be, are you really proud of your photography? So which, which what you say earlier. So I think that is a really fantastic advice that you have there. Um, you know, what, what, one of the things that, um, that's, that's really hard um, is to stay true to that, to that reason, right? I mean, when we start photography, we kind of have a reason why we want to do that. But, you know, with the social media and all this stuff, we kind of get distracted. And one of the, the guests that, um, or my mentor as well, I suppose one of my earlier mentors say that, you know, whatever happened, don't forget why you got into photography in the first place. Mm -hmm. And that mm -hmm. was such a great advice. Um, so I, I was wondering, do you, um, I mean, I know that you kind of want to just, um, you know, capture moments and, you know, um, when you get, when you first get started, you kind of want to capture moments and be able to capture these fantastic photos. But as you progress to your um, photography journey, um, do you have a different aspiration when you go out there? Like, why do you do photography now versus why you do photography back then? Uh, very interesting I started in photography, like I said, as my release from the real world. But what I've quickly found is that a lot of people can get emotional connections to images that I would take. And that if it stirs something within them, I think that's a job well done. But what I've also found, because I mean, I, I've been releasing a video on my YouTube channels every week since September 2017. So I'm nearly five years now doing that. And I've kind of found myself falling into the more of the educator role and the kind of, you know, telling a story and bringing people along on my journey. I'm not uh, an expert by any way, shape or form, but I'm learning as I go. And as I'm showing people how I'm doing things and mistakes that I'm making, it, they're learning from it as well. And I'd like to think that, you know, I've kind of changed in my outlook is that it's no longer just about me. It's about bringing people with me and showing them the beauty that I have around me here in Ireland through the form of photographs and also the form of video and the storytelling, I think, that comes with that as well. It's something that will never end, I don't think. You know, I will find different ways to be able to um, get better and aspire to do better and aspire to create a better video, create a better story, create a better image, explain the image more to somebody. Um, I've had people that, you know, have reached out to me and asked me and said, okay, why aren't you doing workshops? Why aren't you bringing people out? And it's, it's, it's not a motivator for um, If I can the way and they can tune into my videos every week and they can learn something if they want to come to ireland at least they know a place that they can come and visit and that's probably where i'll continue to to, to go i'm some you know one-to-one -one workshops with people um but it's not my my main motivator my main motivator for me is just to continue enjoying the outdoors and continue to show through the form of film or images but also um getting people as if they're there, you know, to stir that emotional connection, bring people to different areas and help them like me to enjoy the art of photography. Because bearing in mind, Stanley, you know this as well, I suppose, 
Like photography is a solitary sport. Outdoor photography is a solitary sport. But, you know, if you can get people involved in that and you can feed off their passion and they can feed off your energy, it's the people that you remember a lot longer than the, the, the miserable rain or the cold or whatever it might be. It's the people that you meet along the way that you share those adventures with, that you share those sentiments, you share those feelings and you share that connection that lasts a lot longer. So for me, it's all about, like I said, the image is one form, yes, but it's the people that I meet along the way and you know, the emotions that we can mutually stir, I think, which is the longevity. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, you know, I, I, I absolutely agree. Um, you know, at the end of the day, photography is a way to capture experiences, right? So if we fail to experience that first, then what is photography really is, right? So um, mm -hmm. that, that is great advice. And, um, you know, like I've seen your video, I've seen your photos and I've seen how you go through really, um, you know, especially in, in, in Ireland as well, I'm guessing there's a lot of rain and moody yeah. and, you know, not a really good condition, but you still go out there, right? Um, you still go out there, you still take your photos. So what, uh, how, how do you define a successful uh, photography trip and how do you define a successful photo? Like, you know, when, when it's like, you know what, that was a good day or, you know what, that was a great shot or, or whatnot, you know, cause um, I know that, you know, for many of us and myself included along the line, um, we always have that certain expectation, right? When we go out there, it's like, oh yeah, the condition's going to be this and that and this and that, and I'm going to get this shot and that shot and so forth. But it's not always, it doesn't always turn out the way it, we want it to. So what is that success um, criteria for you? Uh, okay, I'll add to that in two different ways for you. So the first one is, I've said this for many years and I'll continue to say it again bad conditions do not exist in landscape photography. There's always a shot to get. It may not be the shot that you'd wanted, but there's always a shot to get. And I've gone out in the rain and I've come back with images. And that's a success because you've managed to pull a shot from something like that. But the other thing is never go out with expectations. Because if you go out with expectations, all you're going to be coming home with is disappointment because it's never really going to, unless you get that one in 100 chance where you get epic conditions, epic light, it's everything that you could possibly Um example actually uh, is I'm not as I suppose uh, good is the easiest way to describe it as you for argument's sake in relation to your astrophotography right because we're cloudy in Ireland for a lot of the time but what I do try and plan something I look at all of the forecasting apps and such like that and the weather forecasters in Ireland they have the easiest job in the world all I have to say is it's cloudy chance of rain okay and they'll get away with it every single time I mean in fact you know in the summertime here the only difference is that the rain is warmer I mean that's it right um so i'll have clear skies and i'll say okay i'm going to go and get some astro and invariably there'll be some clouds but you do get that odd time where it is going to be crystal clear you look at the radars you look at the long radars and you go okay there can't be any clouds i'm going to go and i'm going to to do that so that's a success in in my mind is that if the weather is actually going to play ball to get the type of shot that you've envisaged that you want to get an astro you you have no choice if it's cloudy you're not going to get what you wanted to get um i went through a period of time it took me five months, actually, uh, every month to get the same shot. And I wanted to get a shot where I had a moon rising over an old uh, derelict castle. And it was the turrets that are on top of the castle. And I had the whole thing planned that the moon would sit right on top of the derelict castle. And the first month I went out, no clouds anywhere except for right over where I wanted to take the photograph. So I couldn't see the moon. Same thing the second time. Uh, the third time, uh, my timing was slightly off. So I ended up going there the day after when I should have gone there the day before because 
electricity that's shooting moons and on a subject, you have to get it right at the bang on time where you still got the residual light from sunset when the moon is rising. I was a day late. So my subject was too dark. But the fifth time, anyway, basically, I got it. And then I went, do you know what? Persistence. And if I stick with something and I'm really, you know, hell bent on getting it, you will get it eventually. It might take you five times, it might take you 10 times, but don't give up because even when you go out, it may seem as if it's a failure, but it hasn't been learned. You've gotten better. You've actually gotten, you've used your camera. Every time you use the camera is a school day. You're learning something new every single time. So um, I don't really believe in having expectations. I have some way of an idea what I'd like to do. I might go to a scene and go, okay, you know, how's the light going to be today? Um, is it going to shine on what I want to take a photograph of today? And if it doesn't, then I'm really going to be disappointed. So I say, no, I just take it because I'm happy to be out. It's good to be out. I don't get the opportunity to go out as often as I'd like to go out. You know, like most people, you might look out the window and go, oh, look at that light. I wish I could go take a camera. And that's happened to me many, many times. But the day that I can get out, I'm really at the mercy of the weather. So I try and go to a location that I think is going to suit the conditions that I have. Um, and if it works, it works. And if it doesn't work, it didn't work. It was still a good day. And I still got a shot, guaranteed. I've never come back from a shoot without at least one shot that I'd say, you know what, I'm happy with that. So, yeah. What a fantastic advice. And uh, I was just cracking up when you say the weather forecast. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> the easiest job. Uh, chance of rain. That, yeah. that is hilarious. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, it, it's incredible. That is, that is very inspiring. I, I love to hear. Um, you know, I, I'd love hearing that. Um, that you know, you 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 kind of just uh, appreciate. You know, um, what whatever you get. Um, in terms of the condition, in terms of whatever it is, and you you know, like this. <clears throat> what you say was very interesting about. Um, uh, you know, me doing a lot of astrophotography, and it relies a lot on a clean. Um, uh, you know, clean, clear sky. And you're mm -hmm. right. Like. You know, when when I look for a Milky Way and there's there are clouds, it's kind of the end. But it doesn't mean that you can't take great photos still. And I have a few different shots that I got because I didn't have a clear sky, and it 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 becomes one of my favorite shot, and it becomes um you know one of my most popular shot as well. To my surprise, mm -hmm. actually, right? Um, mm -hmm. so. That is such a great advice. In, in landscape photography, there are no such things such as a bad condition. <laughs> yeah, you'll always get a shot. It may not be the shot that you wanted to get, but you'll always get a shot, you know? And I, I, I guess give you a slight anecdote actually to that is um, only, only today actually. Um, so we're recording this on um, Sunday, the 3rd of April. So I had a video went out today with um, a good friend of mine actually who I've met through social media. He's a photographer in Australia and he came up with an idea. He said, Darren, I've got an idea. We're in the spring equinox. We're almost 12 hours apart. He says, you go shoot sunset and I'll go shoot sunrise and we'll share the sun. And when it dips down below the horizon for you, it'll just be coming up the horizon. From So I said, brilliant idea. I went to the most westerly point in Ireland, well, almost the most westerly in Ireland. And I went to photograph two very, very iconic islands. They're called the Skelligs. Um, if you're a fan of Star you'd know that this is where uh, Luke Skywalker was found after he disappeared. He was found in The Last Jedi. These are the islands that they used for this. Beautiful islands, really, really jagged islands on the west, most western point, well, almost most western point in Ireland. Clear skies. So I said, okay, no, this isn't going to be ideal. But you know what? Hang on. I'll use this to my advantage because the idea is clear skies. I'm passing the sun over to Izzy. So Izzy is the photographer in Australia. So I'm about to see the sun go below the horizon and I'll get the light shining in golden light lighting up the right hand side of the uh, the islands so off i went it was a three-hour drive um went in earnest looked clear skies all the forecasting everything else and when i got there 
there was a very, very heavy sea fog or haze. And I said, okay, damn, I'm not going to be able to get the image that I wanted to get. I could barely see these islands. And I, I brought my Sigma 150 to 600. So I really wanted to zoom in on these islands, but I could barely see these islands because of the amount of haze that was there. But guess what? It always works out because as the sun dipped into that haze, the golden light spread across the haze. It didn't give me the light on the side, but it lit up the whole scene in this golden light. And it was just something I went, there you go. There, perfect example. I've everything planned. This is what I wanted to do. It's part of a collaboration with somebody else on the other side of the world. And yet the conditions didn't play ball. But in reality, they did play ball. I managed to get some really, really beautiful shots, some really, really great um, uh, light. But more, moreover, I ended up deciding to do a zoom-in photo of the moon as it was uh, setting, going down into the haze. And I looked at the screen and I went, ah, oh, jeez, I must have a sensor spot. Because I saw this big black dot on the middle of the sun. I was thinking, okay, damn, how am I going to get rid of that? I can't do that now because I was recording video. And it turns out afterwards that I didn't even know this was after happening, but there was a gigantic sunspot after appearing on the sun on that day. And I captured that. There it was in the middle of the sun. So again, you know, there's always a benefit regardless. You're always going to come away with something. And there were two examples of such thing. Wow, that that sounds like a, it's it's a wild shot. Um, do you have that photo posted somewhere so that people can um can see those photos? I might I might uh, include the link on the description if you do. Yeah, well, look, I'll give you the link anyway to my uh, social channels. So I've got one link, which is everything uh, within that. So it'll bring to my YouTube, it'll bring to my Instagram, it'll bring to the podcast as well. Um, but on Instagram, actually, I, last week I posted an image of the sun. So you know, you're able to see that image, it's there. And then today I posted the image of the two islands, uh, the Skelligs, bathed in that beautiful orange light with one solitary bird as well, flying right bang smack in the middle of both of them as well. So it all turned out really, really nice. Yeah. So yeah, I'll, I'll give you the links anyway, I suppose you can share those out. But yeah, that's just uh, a typical and most recent example of how photography can be so frustrating, but so rewarding at the same time. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's, that's exactly, um, that's a good example about, you know, like sometimes you don't get what you want, but you get more than what you ask for. Right. So mm -hmm. <laughs> I would, I would be, mm -hmm. yeah, I would be doing my happy dance if I were you when that <laughs> happened. It's like, yes, the sunspot. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, man, like I was just listening to, 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 to you and sharing your story and, you know, what you do with your photography and how you not only share your photography in socials, but also um, create, um, you know, podcasts as well as uh, YouTube to, help you know and share this message to other photographers and um, share your experiences and learning points but at the same time you got a business to run you got you know a family with uh, two kids um, how do you balance all that together like you know how do you juggle all that because I know as you know a, a creators myself I know how much time it takes and how much investment it is to um, you know do all those separate things and put them together and actually, um, you know, create and put, uh, put it out there. So how do you balance that? Because I know we, um, it's going to be a lot of people out there who are doing this, you know, as a side hobby. And um, they're just wondering, you know what, how did Darren get this time? Do you have hmm. like 50 hours in a day? <laughs> <laughs> Magic formula. Um, yeah. The first and foremost, I suppose, from the time out, I do it on my own personal time outside of a very busy, work week as it is so I've, number one i've got a very supportive wife that allows me to be able to go and do that she knows that like i say it's from a, from a 
view, it's very, very important for me. Um, and if I get that release, then I'm a happier person overall, let's just say. Um, the other thing is I book in days and I stick to those days. So like I said to you earlier on, I'm at the mercy of the weather. So if I say, okay, next Saturday week, I'm going for sunrise. So I know then, okay, I'm going to go to bed early on the Friday night. I'm going to be up early on the Sunday morning um, and or sorry, the Saturday morning, and I'm going to be gone, but I'll be home, you know, at around lunchtime and such like that. Um, I, it's interesting you say it there, you know, about, you know, with, with YouTube and stuff, funny story. The reason I created my YouTube channel was not for notoriety or not for anything other than I wanted to share and leave a legacy for my kids so that when I'm dead and gone, they have something they can watch and they can realize this is why daddy wasn't there for breakfast or this is why daddy wasn't there for, for dinner in the evening. This is where he was. And if I can inspire them and leave something that when I'm gone, the people can, or they can watch and share with their friends or that's my dad or whatever it might be, you know, that is, is a reward for me in itself because it's, uh, an image is fantastic. But the story behind the image, I think, for me, is something that I'd like to be able to kind of share more of. So um, there's no magic formula. Uh, it's just purely being lucky uh, to be able to have that time and just to, to get out and do it. But I do think it doesn't feel like it's work. It doesn't feel like it's my hobby side of things. I'm not earning money from it. If I was earning money from it, then I know that my mind would have to change and probably change as well because I probably feel more pressure to have to do that, you know, but that being said, like I said, I mean, I've released a video every week since September, 2017. I haven't missed a week yet. Um, I started the podcast in 2018 and, um, myself and Dermot, uh, a very good friend of mine, when he was involved in the podcast, we released the podcast every week for two years. Um, and then he retired. <laughs> so I said, okay, I'll keep it going myself. And I then released a podcast every two weeks for the last two years myself. So for me, again, you know, it's, something that I enjoy. I enjoy talking about, I enjoy creating, I enjoy helping people. Um, and I enjoy kind of everything all encompassing within it, you know? So it's, uh, it's interesting that people look at it and go, Jesus, how do you get that done? And how do you output it? It's a passion. You know, if you find, there's a phrase in, in, in life, which you find a job you love, you never have to work another day in your life. This isn't a job for me, but it's something that I love and it's something that I need. Um, I do have a, uh, I suppose, a firm belief in relation to how we think and who is dictates who we are. And, you know, if I'm out and about, and like I said to you at the outset, you know, if I've got a challenge from a work point of view, if I'm thinking about that challenge all the time, then I'm focused on that challenge. Whereas when I'm out taking a camera, I'm not thinking about anything else other than what's in front of me, the scene that's in front of me, and then the solution will appear. So the it does. So, yeah, it's 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 challenge, but it's not a big challenge in this bigger scheme of things because I'm so passionate about it. But that's photography. Wow, that that is man. I was just so inspired listening to that. You know, um, I think it's it goes back to that the why, right? And you have such a strong reason on creating these videos that mm -hmm. it makes it so enjoyable for you. And you know, like. I guess one thing that um, we take for granted is the journey um, to, to, to get the shot or of the adventure of, you know, of the travel of the trip, even if it's, you know, around the corner or uh, an hour away or, you know, uh, a day or two days away. But I, I love what you share there because you, you really show that the journey really makes a big difference. And that's what life is, right? It's, it's a journey. So mm -hmm. I just, I just, I love that. That was just amazing. That was very inspiring. So uh, thank you very much for sharing that. Um, You're very welcome. 
Yeah, look, um, Darren, it's been a really good conversation. And, you know, it's uh, we've kind of come into our one hour mark here. And it was so. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's, I guess what you it's the same what you say, right? When you're having fun, like, you know, it's yeah. not a work at all. We just, so, man, just listening to your stories and your wisdom, um, I absolutely love it. And, you know, one of the reasons why I want you to, get, I want to get you here was, um, you know, just your whole. Um, outlook on life and how positive you are about it and um, you know how you can turn the negative to positive because I remember when we were in clubhouse I think you had like one of a really harsh condition but you are just fired up you're like yeah I get to go out and you know I was like oh like <laughs> he was like rain down and all this stuff and I could just mm-hmm. imagine how, how moody and cloudy but you're just all fired up so um, I'm glad to have you here and you know be able to share your message it's a pleasure and, to be on you know your your um um, your wisdom um, but one thing that I always ask some um, people who come to the podcast is that if there is one advice I know you have given a lot of advice but if there is one thing that you feel like one of the most important advice that um, you know if if they didn't hear anything out of this podcast this one advice would be the most important thing what would that advice be get out of that auto and get into manual and play make mistakes every single time you make a mistake you learn from it. And if you don't learn from it, repeat it and you learn again and you learn again. And eventually you'll understand how you've managed to get a shot. Get out of auto, get into manual. Fantastic, man. Um, I, th- I think that that one word of play is really important because that's, that's the thing that makes us enjoy photography, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, Darren, it's been, uh, you know, a, a full one hour and um, it's just full of wisdom and I had a lot of fun talking to you and um, I feel like, you know, um, I need to go to Ireland and uh, go shoot with you and have a lot of fun chatting with you because uh, this has been amazing. And uh, for those people who want to learn more about you and find, um, you know, your work as well as your, your journey or your backstory in YouTube, um, where, where can they find you? I'm very lucky because my name is so if you search Darren J. Spoonley on any search platform whatsoever, you will only find me. So I don't have to spell out any Instagrams, blah, 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 blah. Just search Darren J. Spoonley and you will find me and you will see exactly what my photography is about. And I'd love for people to continue on the journey with me. So, yeah, just type in my name, hit that enter button and smash that subscribe button. <laughs> I love it. Speaking like a YouTuber. Um, yeah, thanks a lot for sharing that. And, um, you know, uh, we'll put all of that link on the description anyway. So, you know, you could just go ahead and click away. But um, weekend is hopefully you have a really good time listening to that. It was um, such an engaging and interesting conversation we had with um, Darren. And yeah, um, I'm glad that you guys stick around to listen to um, this podcast, this conversation. And hopefully we'll see you again next week. And if you haven't hit the subscribe button yet, what are you waiting for? Um, hit that subscribe button smash and it. smash it like Darren say. <laughs> and I'll see you guys next week. <laughs>